and desks and dusters, PBJ Cleaning Depot's very own podcast. We are going to have so much fun on this adventure together. We are going to talk to our reps. We are going to talk to my fellow employees. And we're going to see what's going on right here in our own community. Hey, everybody. What is going on? And welcome to episode 25 of Desks and Dusters, brought to you by PBJ Cleaning Depot. It is March the 12th. It is a Friday. That's right. We're doing a rare Friday episode. Sorry to keep you guys waiting all week, but trust me, it's going to be a good one. So we are still in Women's History Month. So that means we're going to be focusing on lovely ladies in our uh, community and society right here within North Perth. So do you have a lovely lady in your life you'd like to give a shout out? Is there a female here in North Perth who goes above and beyond for what they do? We want to know about them. We've got two lovely ladies on our podcast uh, today. We've got June, who's going to be talking about women's health with us. June is from New Horizons Rehabilitation. Everyone should know who June is. She is a very lovely lady and a very popular lady here in North Perth with the amazing work that she does. Then we've also got Sarah from the Heart and Stroke to talk about the wrap-up of Heart Month, how it went, seeing that this was the first Heart Month during the pandemic for Heart and Stroke Foundation, and to talk about the importance of women's heart health, because trust me, guys, you don't want to miss out. The statistics are alarming. Holy moly. So... We've got a lot of other things going on as well. I had a chat with Big Brothers Big Sisters right here uh, with our Perth location. You guys, I found something horrible out. Big Brothers Big Sisters has no male bigs right now. That means if a young child wants to have a male big brother, there are no options for them. In, in here in Listowel and in our surrounding areas. Now, here's the thing. All you have to do to be a big is be 18 and over, be able to dedicate four hours a month. So one hour a week, two hours every other week, four hours all at once. They ask for a minimum one-year commitment. You don't have to do it by yourself. Grab a buddy, double up, grab your girlfriend, grab your wife, grab your mom, grab your brother. You can team up in pairs to help and hang out with your little, but males, I know it's women's month, but it's time for you guys to step up too. We're tired of holding the chain down. So big brothers, big sisters, we need you males. We need you. We need you to step up in this community because there are a lot of youth that could use your guidance, your support, your attention, and just have someone to talk to sometimes. That's what this service is all about. So big brothers, big sisters, check them out. Talk to them. Maybe just get a little bit more information. Maybe you don't have time to be a big, but you have time to be a volunteer for their events every now and then. Big brothers, big sisters needs you guys. Say that again. Guys, we need our male bigs back in our area. Now, as you guys also know, at the end of February, I was a first time blood donor. Earlier this week, Canadian Blood Services actually called to thank me and check in to see how I was doing after my first donation. And I told them, I'm fantastic. Of course I am. They gave me some other statistics as well. I found out that I'm B positive, which is a lot better than what my high school grades were. I have B, uh, B positive blood type, 
And I only share that with 1.4% of other Canadians. Now, being B positive means that anyone who is B negative, B positive, AB positive, or AB negative can utilize my blood donation, which is great to know. And within the next 42 days from when my donation was made, my blood might be used. It might not be used, but I'm just glad to know it's there in case it's needed. Now, here's another alarming statistic that really grinds my gears and gets me going. Only 3% of y'all are hitting up the donation centers for blood. What's wrong with you? 3% of Canadians are donating blood. Three. There's like 37 million people in Canada and only 3%. What are you doing? Get off your butts and go to a donation center all sitting at home. You want to get out of the house for an hour? Donate blood. It's in you to give. Now, there are people who are terrified of blood, terrified of needles. Those are completely normal fears. Some of the fears I have are unnormal. Like, I mean, we live in Ontario and I'm petrified of sharks. Kind of a little weird fear to have when I'm so landlocked. But people are scared of needles and blood. I get it. I got six tattoos. Blood and needles is not a fear of mine. Get out there. Canadian Blood Services. Donate blood. Donate plasma. Get a swab kit. I'm going to be getting my swab kit soon. And I'm going to be doing a YouTube video to show you just how easy it is. So, you guys. Canadian Blood Services. Big brothers, big sisters of Huron, Perth. They need us. Okay? They need your help. Not like y'all got much going on. I know you don't because we're all in the same storm. Let's get better. So let's up that and see if we can get it to 5% of Canadian. Honestly, I'm surprised that not 25%. 3%? God, we're better than that, Canada. Let's go. All right. There's my little rant. There's my little freak out of the day. I couldn't, I'm still in shock over those, those numbers. I honestly am. But we've got some other stats that we want to talk about. Canadian Blood Services kind of goes hand in hand with the heart and stroke. So we have Sarah from the Guelph chapter who sat down with me earlier this week and we talked about what it was like for them to be able to go through heart month during a pandemic, what it meant for the last year of not being able to hold giant events like jump rope for heart at schools, like ride for heart and stroke and have to rely on independent fundraisers like the one we did here at PBJ or rely on those amazing volunteers who go door to door asking for donations and giving out information as well. Now, there's a lot of things that the Heart and Stroke website has to offer that we're going to talk about. Women's heart health facts, how to live a healthier lifestyle, how to live a heart healthy lifestyle. What are the signs and symptoms of heart attack and stroke? Think fast. If someone's having a stroke, what does FAST stand for? What is that acronym? There are how important it is to know CPR and you can get CPR certified through the health uh, through heart and stroke go through on their website. They've got everything there. They've got heart class in the States with Rich Peverly. If you don't know who Rich Peverly is, look up his story real quick. Unfortunately, Rich Peverly had a heart attack on the bench when he was a member of the Dallas Stars. The game was obviously called and canceled at that moment. Thank God there was a defibrillator nearby. Thank God there were people who knew what to do. People who are properly trained for these kind of situations to make sure that we still have Rich Peverly here with us today. So after what he went through, he's really big in that and they're looking to bring that to Canada. So I'm basically spoiling a lot of stuff 
So let's sit down. Sarah has so much amazing information, so much stats. Let's hit it up. Please welcome to the podcast, Sarah from the Heart and Stroke. All right, everybody, we are back here on Desks and Dusters, and I would like to welcome Sarah from the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Sarah, why don't you do a quick introduction of yourself? What's your role within Heart and Stroke? Sure. So I actually, I've been with the Heart and Stroke Foundation now for 20 years as of January. Um, and so I've had a lot of different roles. So currently I am, um, I'm a senior community relationship specialist. So I basically um, work with different communities based on what it is that they're wanting to do, whether it's Jump Rope for Heart or um, a personal fundraiser, like what PBJ Cleaning did. Um, so all kinds of different things that we're doing currently. We also kind of focus on education, advocacy. Um, it's really, it's, it's a great, it's a really a cool career because you get to do a variety of different things. So yeah. That's awesome. So February is heart month and Hmm. I can't believe how quickly February went by, but this was the first heart month that heart and stroke would have had to go through the COVID pandemic because February, 2020, things were pretty much normal. So what kind of changes did we see and what kind of obstacles did you have to go through in order to get the information out there, get fundraisers going? What was it like having heart months during a pandemic? Absolutely. So that's exactly what happened. So at the end of last year, we just wrapped up Heart Month. And so um, we really did have to pivot and basically kind of reimagine all of our programs in more of a virtual sense this year to keep everyone safe and and healthy. So one of our biggest programs was, in fact, our door-to-door campaign. And and that's a really really strong campaign in this particular region. And it's done really well every year. So it certainly did have some growing pains. We had to kind of encourage people to embrace the online format a little bit more. Um, But you know what? People were amazing. They asked questions. They they did things outside of their comfort zone, but they did go online. And I think we ended up, we're, we're probably close to, for just this region in particular, we're, we, I think we ended up raising about $170,000 online. So it really, it, it was very successful. And um, right across Canada, I believe we achieved about $700,000. So that was completely um, a virtual um, achievement. So we're really excited about that. And we do, and we also, we've had all kinds of great businesses like yours who have come out and done these, these really cool, innovative, um, uh, fundraisers that they can do kind of in a safe environment, but they can do it and, and, and engage people and collect funds. And we're just, we're so, so grateful because really the Heart and Stroke Foundation was really strongly impacted by COVID um, over the last year. So we saw about a $25 million drop in donations. So we certainly um, were incredibly grateful for all of the businesses and organizations who have, you know, who, people who can, I mean, we understand that not everyone is in a, is in a place to be able to support Heart and Stroke still, but um, it's just been a really, really supportive community still. So what kind of, like, what does the Heart and Stroke Foundation do? Like, we all know that they bring, we, they help raise money for different uh, initiatives and programs and research. We've got Jump Rope for Heart. We've got Ride for Heart and Stroke. Uh, We've also got the different fundraisers through schools and stuff like that. But what does Heart and Stroke do besides give us all the information? Like one in five deaths are caused by heart disease in Canada. So that means exactly. what is it? Every 10 minutes a Canadian dies due to heart failure. That's horrifying. Yeah. It, it really is. And that's the thing. Like, I think Heart and Stroke Foundation, it is seen kind of as the jump rope for heart programs and things like that. But we've been around since 1952. I'm not sure if a lot of people know that, but we've been around since 1952. And we've we've really made some pretty incredible progress. We've we've seen a decline in deaths due to heart disease and stroke by 75%. So we're certainly making progress. But what we do basically is we're, we're a Canadian charity um, and we're dedicated to kind of three key areas. So advocacy, education, and research. So those are what we, we tend to focus on. And we're the second largest 
largest funder of, um, of heart disease and stroke research after the federal government. So we've invested about $1.52 billion in research since we've started. Exactly. I know it's pretty incredible. Oh. And that's all because and the majority of that is, it does in fact come from events um, like the one that the Cleaning Depot did, like Jump Rope for Heart, like the Heart and Stroke Foundation, Big Bike and the Ride. Um, often people, you know, think of research when they think of the Heart and Stroke Foundation, but we also are really, um, we're kind of, we're key on empowering, like all of our programs really do empower Canadians to live healthier lives. So from preventing and controlling high blood pressure to getting more physically active. So every one of our, our programs does have some sort of usually physical activity component to it to make sure people are, are really making sure that they're, um, they're keeping their hearts healthy. Because um, a lot of people forget your heart's not just an organ, it's a muscle. You need to exercise. Exactly. You really do. And we're seeing, obviously, we're seeing a lot more sedentary, like, activity with people with COVID um, or during due to COVID, we're seeing people being less active, less social. Um, and so we're wanting to really encourage people to still get out there and, and although distant, <laughs> still make sure that they're getting they're getting the physical activity and, and healthy eating and stress management that they need. So, um, and then the third, the third area that we focus on is more the advocacy side. So we really do fight for change to create um, healthier lives for everyone. So we focus on, you know, banning trans fats. We've um, advocated for um, the banning of smoking in cars with children, we have focused on better stroke access to, to people right across Canada. So we, we work with MPs and, and our volunteers and they go out and they speak to the MPs and they really kind of encourage um, these changes that will have a systematic, systematic effect on the health of Canadians everywhere. Well so. Awesome. Like, and a lot of people think like, well, I'll be honest, I was one of those people that thought, you know, if I was to go to the Heart and Strokes website, it would just be some little information, how to donate different programs. But when you actually go through it, there's heart healthy tips, there's eating tips, there's active lifestyle tips and different things. So I've got a couple stats here. Like when we think of heart and stroke, obviously we think of heart attack and stroke. Obviously that's the name, yep. but there's so much more behind it. There's heart failure, uh, congenital heart disease, heart rhythm problems, heart valve problems, different things like that. Like my papa had a quadruple bypass and had pig's valves put into his heart and had a new I know, for bacon. I mean, <laughs> it's a totally different thing. And like 80% of premature heart conditions are preventable just through a healthy lifestyle change. No medication. All you have to do is get off your butt and eat a little better. 80%. That's a huge number. It really so is. It, it's All this, men and women are different for signs. Nearly one in two people with multiple conditions are discharged from the hospital with limited support. Exactly. So there's all that kind of stuff in statistics. Now, what is COVID doing to our hearts? People who have contracted COVID and are lucky enough to come out on the other side, are we seeing any reper uh, like repercussion to the heart from the COVID virus? Unfortunately, we are. So um, it's really, it's, it's more stressful for people and perilous really for people who already have a heart, a previous heart condition. So if you've had a stroke or heart disease before, um, you are in fact at a higher risk if you contract heart or COVID, sorry, to ac actually die. So your, your, your chances of, of dying in, in fact increase. So people with heart conditions are four times likely um, or have a four times higher risk of dying. Um, and people who've had a stroke are three times more risk. So we're really, we really had to pivot quickly to make sure that our research was really focusing on how we can best support um, people who have, you know, pre, pre, 
existing conditions. Um, but we are also seeing that COVID is in fact having an impact on, on previously healthy hearts. So um, someone who may not have, we're seeing it affecting um, their cardiovascular, their, their vascular system, we're seeing it damaging hearts. So again, the research, we, we've quickly kind of had to do a regroup and make sure that our, uh, the research dollars that are being um, raised or the, the dollars that are being raised are going specifically to research on how we can both prevent and treat um, any, any issues as, as associated to, um, to COVID as well. We've also, not just with regards to the research side of it, we've done a couple of different things. We've had to do obviously a very quick pivot because that was kind of what was on everybody's minds. So a couple of things that we did at the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Um, so despite having, you know, obviously a $25 million shortfall to our overall goal, we were still able to do um, lots of awareness. So launching a public awareness campaigns. So what we're actually seeing with COVID is that people are, are waiting until later. They're, they're apprehensive to go to the hospital. So they're, they're waiting until they're kind of at their worst possible state before they do go to the hospital. And hospitals are, they are, they're prepared and they're ready to take on these um, medical emergencies. And that's one of our biggest awareness campaigns was, you know, heart disease and stroke are still medical emergencies. And the sooner you get treated, the, the better your outcome is. So we really wanted to encourage people to get help soon and not hold off and say, you know, so we were, we we're wanting to get kind of the signs and symptoms of heart disease and stroke out so that people, if they do recognize that they go and get help. Um, we also prepared a virtual checklist, so a virtual care checklist, because more and more people were actually going and, and seeing their doctors online, so they weren't actually going into the doctor. So we created kind of a list that would that would help them to navigate that, because it's, it certainly is different kind of speaking to your doctor over over a screen <laughs> than it is going in and, and to actually see them. Um, and then we have a lot of really great webinars. So I'm not sure if you saw that when you were on the website, but if you go on to it, we have some really great web, website or sorry, webinars for um, both caregivers and for people with lived experience on kind of things that they can do with regards to kind of healthy eating, get, staying physically active, staying, you know, um, making sure that you're really taking care of your body when you're, you're in this kind of situation. So, um, so yeah, so we've, we've had lots of, it certainly was a, a, a big jump for us because we were kind of, we had our, our focus of what we were kind of focusing our, our research dollars on, but we did feel that this was, this was really important to, to get out into the community as well. So. Absolutely. And I know I've taken three first aid courses throughout my life. So I know that when it comes uh, to signs and symptoms of a heart attack and a stroke, males and females, uh, our bodies will react differently. And not just that, but I always like to remind everyone, everyone's body is going to react differently, but there are yep. different signs between men and women. And let's be honest, when I think of heart failure, I think of my grandfather who had a heart attack and passed away. I think of my other grandfather who had a quadruple bypass. I think of my uncle who has heart failure. I think of my other uncle who passed away from heart failure and the one thing that I keep thinking to myself and seeing a pattern here is male, 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 male. We seem to think that heart disease and stroke and stuff affects men more, but it doesn't. It doesn't. No, I know. And that's a big shocker for a lot of people. <laughs> it is. Women can have heart attacks. Surprise, yes. surprise. We're not immune to it by any means. No, absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit of uh, some women's health. So the number one cause of premature death for women in Canada is actually heart disease and stroke. That's a, that's a shocker. 
it really is. And that's, I think that's kind of one of the misconceptions is that it is in fact a disease of, you know, an older white gentleman sort of thing. And it really isn't. So every, actually every 20 minutes, um, a woman actually dies from heart disease and stroke. And as you mentioned, it is the number one cause of premature de death um, for women in Canada. So what we're seeing and what the Heart and Stroke Foundation is really kind of focusing their efforts on is that when it comes to heart disease and um, brain health, um, women are actually under, undiagnosed, they're undertreated, um, and they've been under-researched for too long. So a lot of the treatments and um, a lot of the research that has been done has been, on, been done on men. So when we go to take those treatments and prevention me um, methods, they don't necessarily apply to women. So women's hearts are different. Their veins are different. How they react to things are different. Their hormones are different. So we're really trying to ensure that all of the research that we do going forward has a female kind of focus component to it mm -hmm. so that, you know, we're, we're basically creating an equal, we're closing the gap and we're creating an equal playing field for women and men. Um, and really it's, it's pretty incredible because, you know, if you think about it, half of the population is in fact women. And yeah. if that's the number one cause, that certainly is something that we need to, um, we need to focus our efforts on. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and it's not just, it's not just about kind of the research and the, and the, the, um, advocacy for women we really are noticing that women actually do have they have different lives so because they are the nurturers the caregivers um they're they're you know that's deeply connected with their identity so they often what you will see with women is that they deprioritize their own health so they they take care of everyone else before <laughs> before they focus on their own um and then and so that's what we're seeing we're seeing people that are you know waiting till the last possible moment to go and get help because they don't necessarily um they don't, they don't think that, you know, there's anything wrong with them or they don't recognize the signs and symptoms themselves. So exactly. And that right here in front of me, 53% of women who experience heart attack symptoms, have them go unrecognized exactly. because let's be honest, we have chest pains and we'll just call say, Hey, it's just a growing pain or it's just a, it's this, or it's that a lot of us like to downplay our symptoms because nobody wants to be like, I'm having a heart attack. I know. Woo! It's so true. Call the ambulance. Yeah, exactly. It's not something we want to be excited about. No one's sitting here going, hey guys, I'm having a stroke. Let's yeah. go. So it's it's we obviously want to downplay it and say, no, no, it's not that. So what do we kind of have to go through? I know that we're doubling the dollars we're investing in research for women. Two out of three of heart disease and stroke clinical research focuses on men. So we're changing that. I know even not even just with heart, but even just medical research on women is extremely new. It is. And so, so that's we have to put this forward. So what are we doing to get more of these facts out there? And what are some of the differences that we're seeing in women when it comes to heart disease for signs and symptoms over uh, a male counterpart? Absolutely. Okay. So for men and women, obviously the most, um, chest pain is kind of the, the key sign for having a heart attack. Um, women, however, they're more likely than men to have subtle signs that also include things like nausea. Um, if they have, they'll have sudden fatigue, shortness of breath, that's kind of irregular to their, their usual kind of day-to-day -day living. <clears throat> and what, what's important is that, you know, don't try to diagnose yourself. If you're feeling those symptoms, they feel irregular, go to a doctor. Even during COVID, it is really important to go to see your doctor to make sure that that's not something, because again, the longer you wait, the more damage that actually does in fact happen into your heart. So women can sometimes experience and express their signs differently. So they might get pressure in their chest rather than pain. Um, this can sometimes, um, sorry, this can actually affect how quickly they get to the doctors. So they, again, they, they wait, they'll go to sleep, they'll kind of wait a few days. And often we're seeing that the damage is already done by the time they get, do get to the hospital. 
Um, women are also, in fact, they're, they're less likely to be referred to a cardiac rehabilitation program as well, and only half as likely to actually attend and follow through with that, with that program. So we're seeing kind of more supports in, in a virtual sense so that women can actually be doing the, the program virtually versus having to, you know, leave their kids, get a babysitter, go um, and, and get the treatment um, that they need. So we're trying to kind of incorporate something that's, uh, that's more virtual. Um, they also face greater barriers. So that's, that's one thing that we're seeing. So they're twice as likely to actually experience depression. Um, they have greater home and caregiving responsibilities. Um, they're more likely to be living in poverty, um, which are all factors that really do um, limit the participation in cardiac rehabilitation as well. So big focuses for the Heart and Stroke Foundation right now are, are ensuring that there is equal um, pharma care for everyone. So people are, you know, choosing feeding their family over, over, you know, getting their medication or the proper medication that they should, or they're not taking their medication properly because they can't afford the full amount of it. So really it's trying to advocate to, to MPs and, and to um, the federal government to really kind of change, to change that so that that's not something that they need to worry about on top of, on top of kind of everything else that's, <laughs> that's happening in the world right now. Exactly. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I was reading that of the first world countries that have universal health care, we are the only one that doesn't have universal pharmacare. Correct. So that's, exactly. that is something that we're really trying to change. I mean, I, obviously, we, we've certainly seen some changes over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. but really for things like, you know, medication for diabetes, medication for heart disease, those are really something that should be just a given. You should receive those regardless. And it should just Nobody be asked to have this, these things. Why are we paying out the butt for it? Exactly. Like, yeah, we exactly. The hospital. like, it's awesome. Like, I, I talk to my friends in the States all the time, and they tell me how much they're paying for their COVID tests. How much it costs to walk into a hospital how much it costs to get a cast on your arm i know it's wild and i'm like um they gave my papa a new kidney he paid for parking <laughs> it's so true i know twenty dollars for parking he spent three months getting medical treatment they gave him a free organ they took one of my organs oh they did they took oh you're amazing that's fantastic he took my gallbladder out and i'm doing all this other stuff i'm like hello like Wow. I know it's pretty incredible. I woke up and they were like, here's your meds. Get out. <laughs> like, <bye>. That's the <laughs> thing. So we've certainly made a huge amount of headway, but there, there's still so much more to do. So that's what that's not that's everything really is covered. People seem, if you don't have those problems and you don't are not personally experienced heart failure or something like diabetes or something like that, where it's not covered by the federal government, it's not covered by OHIP different mm -hmm. cancer medications it is not a pretty penny just no. because going to the hospital is free which is absolutely amazing we're very grateful to have our universal health care but it is time to start pushing on the universal pharmacare for absolutely. different things like these because yes heart medications there is no there's no no cure for heart failure for heart disease and stuff like that it's how you live changing your lifestyle and, and proper medication so you're right. When you have people that are fighting, like I have to eat healthy, that's expensive. Mm -hmm. Now I can't afford this. Well, now I have to not eat so healthy because my rent is up hydro. I got my gas bill. I got my water bill. You got other kids. And it's like, I always think back to this one time I was on a Southwest airline and they were giving that little spiel about everything. And they said, you know, if we don't anticipate to have any cabin air pressure changes or we wouldn't have come to work today. But when the mask <laughs> falls, assist yourself first, then pick your favorite child and then help your husband because that's the order it's going to go in. 
So I always think of that, like, yes, women, we are the caregivers. We tend to always put others in in front of ourselves, but ladies, there is nothing wrong with putting yourself at the front of the line. Absolutely. Putting yourself as being number one. We are not second-class citizens. Don't let people push you around. If something's wrong and you feel like something is wrong, fight for it. Absolutely. We've got someone coming on the podcast later this episode who pushes for women's health and things like that and is pushing the boundaries and barriers. So it's time to start taking our heart health seriously and it's time to start taking our health seriously and pushing for that. And I love what the heart and stroke is doing. So let's talk about being a little bit more healthy. What are some good heart healthy foods that we can go to? I know there's a lot on the website here. We all know that we're not eating enough fruit and vegetables. There's trans fats and stuff like that. So what are some good heart healthy foods that we should be eating? Well, you know what, there, there really is a huge variety of that. And, and we've actually seen a big change. If anyone has seen the newest uh, changes to the Canada's food guide, um, it's really encouraging, like half of your plate, try to make half of your plate, like leafy green vegetables, um, making sure that there's lots of greens and, and colors on your plate. Um, and then a quarter of that being some sort of protein or a, a meat alternative. Um, and then the rest being um, greens. So I mean, healthy foods, really, if you walk into a grocery store, you want to really make sure that the, the balances, you know, there's not specific foods necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily list specific foods, but you just want to make sure that you are increasing um, the amount of fruits and vegetables that you're getting in your diet, um, decreasing the amount exactly of trans fats, things like that. And in- increasing, I just saw you take a sip of water. That's one of the big things that you can be doing as well, trying to drink lots of water throughout the day as well. So everything in moderation again, but you want to really try to avoid um, the, the, you know, the, the trans fats and the, the really fatty meats and things like that. Um, and there's all kinds of great recipes. If you go onto the Heart and Stroke Foundation website, it lists, yes. uh, there's a slew of really amazing recipes that is, at first- This is what you guys sent me. And I've got all these different facts about some different things, talks about 15% of youth and Canadians are vaping more. So stuff like that, let's get off the couch. Let's start learning about more fruits and vegetables. The greener, the green, the darker, the green, the better it is for you. Let's start learning about our fruits and vegetables. There's more than just carrots and apples out there. There really is. Exactly. And there's, and you know what I'm seeing more and more too, when you go to, you know, order food out as well, there's all kinds of really great alternatives in restaurants. So, you know, support local, <laughs> go to some of your yeah. local restaurants um, and get some takeout. And uh, yeah, there's, there's just such a, a great variety and, and all kinds of different cultural cultures mixed into the, the foods as well. So, I mean, really do encourage people to do that as well. It can be, it can be easy. It can be fun. And it can be delicious. (laughs) Perfect. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is that the Heart and Stroke does offer uh, CPR courses. Mm -hmm. You can go on their website. It's very, very important. I have taken first aid three times. And I have only ever had to put my first aid into use once um, for a very, for a car accident. Luckily, the people inside were minor injuries. Um, But it's very helpful to know those kind of things, especially working in different workplaces. So, what kind of CPR courses and different things like that are on the website? It's regional. So depending on where your rep is, it might be virtual, it might be in person. Um, but what kind of support and different things is, is uh, knowing CPR, how important something like that is? 
it is, it's, I can't express how important it is. The number of times you do hear about a, such an emergency situation where everyone's just kind of standing there and people don't know what to do. It's, it really is a simple process. It's, it's a scary process, obviously in the, in the middle of it. Um, so we do encourage as many people to, um, to go out and, and get trained. So it, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, there's now hands only um, CPR because obviously people are concerned about contamination and COVID and all of these things. So there's, they've, they've really tried to simplify the process as much as possible. So, um, so it's easy to remember in an emergency. I too have had to use it in an emergency. And um, at the time you think, you know, I've done this training so many times, but when you, when it comes right down to it, it can be quite nerve wracking, but you know what? Doing nothing is worse. So that's the thing people, when people stand back and they're like, I don't know how to do CPR, anything is better than nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, but it is nicer to be, to, to have the training behind you so that you feel confident in, in, in fact doing it. So there's a couple of things you can actually go onto the website there. If you go into, into look up CPR trainers, it'll, it'll um, list trainers right across the country basically that you can that you can book time with um, whether it be virtually or in person but even if you go onto YouTube and you type in CPR heart and stroke it'll show you a 90 second video on what to do in case of emergency both for using an automated automated external defibrillator and how to do CPR so it teaches you the basics and really that's what you need Um, everyone needs to be comfortable with doing that and what we're also trying to really promote is is we're trying to advocate that it becomes something that's you know standard training in in high schools so in order to graduate um, you should be trained on CPR and, and using AD and first aid. It just it should be an automatic. Absolutely. Why so. are we doing stupid? I don't care about a plant cell life or, <laughs> or diff- like, I don't need to know how to map and chart different things or sailor flags. Why is there not life courses? Why are you not teaching me to, ch- to no. buy a checkbook? buy a house, learn CPR, properly feed myself. Absolutely. Well, I, I could not agree with you. That in grade seven when I had no control over what I was eating, my parents said, here's your dinner and now put it in your stomach. Yep. That's exactly. what it was. Why are you not teaching these when they should be a hundred percent? You should have to have CPR training by the time you're 18 years old, because you never know in the workplace where you are, different things like that. If you're a fan of the show, The Office, you should know CPR because everyone uses the video from that show because it's a comedy clip, but it literally shows you how to do CPR properly, the rhythm, how much timing, the breathing mechanisms, all of that. But they used it in a comedic sense and it caught on. It did. Exactly. So the last thing I'm going to do, Sarah, is I'm having a stroke. Think fast. F-A-S-T. What is fast? Okay, so FAST, that, this is actually a really popular acronym for us, and it, it has helped people right across Canada with, with knowing what to do in case of an emergency. So FAST, F means face, is a drooping, so is one side of your face, in fact, drooping. Arms, are you able to raise both? If you're not, if one arm is, is you can't lift it up, um, that's also one of the symptoms of a stroke. Um, your speech, is it slurred or is it hard to understand the person? And time, so time is is brain. So basically what we want you to do, if you experience any of these symptoms, we want you to call or have someone call 911 and immediately get them to um, a stroke recovery unit. So what they'll do is they'll take them to the right place. Um, and there's a specific treatment. There's, there's a couple of really specific treatments for stroke. Um, the sooner you get it, the less damage that happens to your brain. So call 911. Um, stroke is a medical emergency and we want you to get there and get treated so that um, you have as few deficits as possible if, if hopefully none. So perfect. Yeah. I always remember in first aid, when it comes to stroke, you want to think fast mm-hmm. and everything else, when it comes to first aid training, the first thing you want to do react. 
exactly. If you need to scream for 10 seconds and freak out, get it out. Get it out of your system. (laughs) Now it's time to go to work. No, exactly. Oh, I cannot thank you so much for sitting down with me today, Sarah. I have gone through the Heart and Stroke website thoroughly with a fine tooth comb. I am loving all the different information. I'm loving everything I'm learning about. I encourage everyone spend five minutes, just go through whether you're looking for different fundraisers. Maybe you want to get involved. Maybe you want to volunteer. I encourage you to start your own fundraiser. I thought we were going to have a problem raising $500. We tripled our goal and almost quadrupled it. So that's so good. It's amazing what our community is willing to do. You just got to get out there and try. So I encourage everyone get active, eat healthy, think about your heart. Let's get some heart healthy. It is international women's month. Women let's start fighting for our health rights. Let's start getting those facts and information out there and let's keep helping organizations like the heart and stroke because we need you hundred percent. We need organizations like the heart and stroke. We need organizations that fight for our rights, for our medical rights and stuff like that. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you everyone at the heart and stroke for everything that you guys do. You are absolutely fabulous. You are a rock star. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it is so cool. I think about all the different organizations and stuff that we've been working with Canadian blood services. Uh, We've been working with you guys, heart and stroke. We're going to start working with Ronald McDonald house charities of Southwestern Ontario. And they've all been women. Interesting. (laughs) I was going to, I was going to actually relay the same. Yeah. I was going to relay the same sentiments to you as well, because I wanted to, I wanted to actually start off by, by really thanking um, PBJ cleaning because um, you, you know, you've been supporting heart and stroke for, for quite some time now. And we're, we're so grateful because especially during this time of, of COVID, we're certainly seeing the donations drop. Um, And so really thank you to everyone that's listening that may have made a donation or, you know, done, done some cycling on the bike. Um, We're, we're really, truly grateful. So thank you so much. Oh, no, not a problem. Thank you guys. Cause we are now making this an annual event. I am super excited to see and watch it grow and open it up to the public once COVID is gone and see how much more we can do. It's not just about the raising the money. It's about the awareness. It's about the information and it's about getting on those bikes and doing something. Absolutely. So, I keep reminding everyone, if we raise $5,000 for Ronald McDonald House Charities this year, I am polar jumping into Lake Huron next week. Oh, so right on. Oh, I awesome. keep volunteering myself for all this crazy things, but I mean, <laughs> if it ends up raising money for a good cause, absolutely, let's do it. Well, thank you for all that you do too. So oh, <laughs> we really appreciate you, it. Sarah. You are always welcome back on the podcast whenever you guys have something going on. Whenever we've got any questions, you're, you're my girl. You're going to be the one I'm calling. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, Sarah. That was amazing. So many statistics, you guys. We are going to link you up. We're going to put those statistics. It's Friday and I can't talk. We're going to put those statistics up. We're going to let you know, and we are going to encourage women to start taking their health seriously and pushing forward. Now we all know if you are a woman, you probably have been told by a doctor that it's just being a woman that what you're feeling it's time for us to stop taking that as an answer because as a lot of us know that's not the case we want to be taken seriously so who better to talk to than june williamson who is an advocate and working so hard on women's health she's working on pelvic therapy which men hello you have a pelvis too it's for you it's not just for women so 
we're going to talk about a lot of cool things right now. Let's hit it. June Williamson from New Horizons. You're on deck. All right, guys, we are back here on Desks and Dusters, and joining us today is June from New Horizons right here in Lestool. June, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for the invitation. Now, June, why don't you give our listeners just a little bit of a background on yourself? What kind of education, uh, educational background you have, uh, your work within the clinic and everything like that as well? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a registered physiotherapist. And uh, so I graduated from University of Toronto many years ago in 1980. Um, And I wanted, I always wanted to be in private practice and provide um, care for more complex patients through private practice because I saw it as a need in the community. So in um, 1993, from my living room first, and I started uh, New Horizons Rehabilitation Services. And actually way back then had uh, an association with, with Dynafit uh, using their facility for the exercise side, exercise side of things. So then in 1995, I moved into the building that I'm in this very moment uh, at 1100 Wallace Ave North here in Listable. And besides physiotherapy, We provide occupational therapy, speech language pathology, kinesiology, rehab therapy. Um, And with with each of those services, we have sub services that each of those professions provide. So we have pediatric occupational therapy for kids with um, coordination difficulties, writing difficulties, speech for children and adults, We treat motor vehicle accidents a great deal, concussion, brain injury, breaks, and all those natures of things. We all do acupuncture, all the physios. Uh, We fit orthotics. So we're a busy group. Exactly. There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There is. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it all has to to lead back to kind of that physiotherapy side of things, working with the joints, the muscles, ligaments, all those fun things in terms that I learned in my grade 12 kinesiology class. Exactly. From the physiotherapy side, it is anyway, occupational therapy, rehab therapy and speech. They do, they do different things again for their professions. Um, But as physiotherapy, yeah, we uh, treat sprains and strains and, Back, lots of back and neck injuries and headaches and uh, yeah, strokes, neurological conditions like MS, uh, all concussions, severe brain injuries. Yeah, we we cover all of it. It's yeah. Yeah, and as we talked with our last guest, we know that there are no cure for heart disease. Uh, there's only treatments for heart attacks and stroke and stuff like that as well. So when we That's have right. It's kind of nice that we had the Canadian uh, heart and stroke on earlier. And now we see like the pre-warning signs and the symptoms. We kind of get to talk to you about what do you do after you've had those attacks and stuff like that and the health. And one of the things we really focused on was let's be, you know, almost biased in a sense here. But when you think of heart failure and stuff like that, you technically think of men. You think of men having heart attacks. You think of men having strokes. You think of older plus that's right 60s but those aren't the truth the truth is that we are women are as susceptible 
And a lot of us are going to go about, I think the statistic was 80% of us will go with a heart disease or heart condition unrecognized. That's right. The study on women's health is so new. That's right. It tends to be more silent, the symptoms that we have. We present very differently when we have concerns with our heart and, and, uh, much more fatigue than the classic symptoms that a man experiences. So we need to take very good care of ourselves. And I am glad that we are taking more attention to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We've seen uh, different commercials talking about things like endometriosis and stuff like that. Just stop taking. You're just a woman. Sorry deal with it. These are natural body pains. Well, some of us know our bodies, doctor, and we know that what we're going through is not normal. And I know that you work a lot with women's health. So what kind of, uh, what kind of services and programs are you into in the aspect of promoting healthy women's bodies? My passion currently is pelvic health physiotherapy. And we do see men with pelvic health but truly 99% of my clientele are women. And uh, it, it was something probably six years ago, something like that, I realized that we didn't have anyone local providing that nature of care. So I thought, you know, it's a, it's a gap in the care that we have here for, for women and for men, mm-hmm. um, but especially for women because... Um, with the pelvic health, we're dealing with so many concerns that most women end up being concerned about. You, you mentioned endometriosis, and uh, certainly that is one thing that we do try to help with. It can be a very complex condition, but we, there are things that we can do to try to help. Um, we certainly do a lot of work with young women who are, some of them are are pregnant and we're helping them in different stages with pregnancy and preparation for for having their babies. And then we see women afterwards, six, eight weeks after to help them to strengthen the pelvic floor, deal with uh, any stress incontinence they may be having. And uh, a lot of women do deal with stress incontinence and it's it's not pleasant. So it is something that we definitely work with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's I'm a lot of other conditions. You want me to... men, uh, that men also have pelvic issues. It reminds me of a case in the States where unfortunately a male was diagnosed with breast cancer, something we typically yes. see yes. in the majority of women for diagnosis. Well, mm-hmm. because he was a male, his insurance company refused to give him coverage. I remember hearing about that and that was just, that's discrimination. That's, it is is discrimination. And illnesses and different things like that. They don't see color. They don't see race. They don't see gender. It's just your bodies. And we all have different bodies and the male body and the female body can react differently, but we're all going to react differently at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's nice Mm -hmm. to know that services like that are provided here in a smaller town setting because even not to get too personal, even coming from the city, working with lots of different doctors and having secondary doctors, I have heard time and time again, sorry, that's just the joys of being a woman. That's right. Deal with it. That's right. Yeah. 
shouldn't yeah. feel like I'm being stabbed in the stomach repeatedly though. No. no. So because that is something we definitely work a lot with too is, mm -hmm. is pelvic floor pain, um, interstitial cystitis, mm -hmm. uh, recurrent bladder infections. And with men, we also deal with pelvic pain. Exactly. So because they have it too. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot more we can do for those things than what um, we used to realize. And it's more accessible now. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it more freely, too, than we used to, too. Yes, yeah. we do. Thank I mean, heavens. It is true, because I think it was, even in the 70s, studies and research weren't being done on women. It That's was right. all being done towards men. So even yeah. today, a lot of the research we have, the symptoms, the testing, um, the cures and the treatment are all based towards men. That's right. So That's how right. do we stand up and say, hi, I'm here too. And then yeah. how do we get that information across to say, ladies, it's time to stand up and say no more. We have rights to our bodies. We have right to know what's going on. And I am delighted with young moms um, because young moms are much more proactive, I find. Uh, they're coming to see me saying, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of my body. And they often finish the sentence with, because I don't want to deal with the same problems my mother and grandmother have dealt with. Yep. So it's, it, they are more proactive. And I'm very pleased about that, that they're uh, taking the initiative to come to me. Yes. And, and talk to me. And I certainly do see women in middle in their middle uh, years, mid ages. And certainly the oldest woman I saw was 84. So it's quite a, a range of um, ages that mm -hmm. that I see. And, and the same with the men. I've seen them from. I'm sorry. What was that, Caitlin? It's almost ending that trickle down effect where, where you're right, where you say, I don't want to to live the way like my grandmother and yes. my mother lived, but they were told that that's normal. So deal with it. That's so right. my grandmother told my mother, Nothing my mother told me, I'm expected to tell my daughter, we're breaking that chain, the trickle down that's right. ends here. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there's- And I find that partners are much more supportive too than they once were. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's nice to see those shifts too that the family unit is uh, much more supportive of each other and role sharing. And that is, that is something too, that I'm seeing evolve. Exactly. So, so yeah. what types of, of whether you have a diagnosis or not, what, what, what can females come to you for? Well, the preparation for uh, delivery, if they're pregnant and certainly afterwards, as far as reconditioning the pelvic floor, and uh, strengthening the pelvic floor. Um, any, sorry about the uh, phone in the background. No I worries. Um, pain, I see uh, women who have pain with intercourse, um, which can be really uh, stressful. And so I will help, help them identify why that's happening and we manage that sometimes with relaxation techniques, different strategies. Also, it can be back and hip pain that we deal with. 
80 to 90% of women and men who have persistent chronic back pain that hasn't fully responded to other treatment can often be helped by pelvic physiotherapy. And I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it all the time mm -hmm. at how effective it is because those muscles of the pelvic floor, just like we can get a Charlie horse in our hamstring, um, we can get tightness in those muscles of the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. um, endometriosis, the interstitial cystitis, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, all those, those conditions of the pelvis. Mm -hmm. So sometimes women want to get back to running. Yes. But they don't know how to because they're having stress incontinence. So we talk to them about how are we going to manage that. Uh, so there's, there's lots of activity things that we work on too. So yeah, it's very rewarding it to is. watch women get control of their lives again the way they want to be. It is, and it's it's nice to see, and it's going to be interesting to see even what the next twenty years look like with advancements. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's medical right. so, medical health and science is so new; it's less. Than it is. It's less it than a hundred years old, yes. barely a hundred years old. So, seeing how new everything else is, it's going to be really interesting to see the initiatives and everything like that. Like, just because I just had this conversation, Heart and Stroke is doubling down funding on yeah. women's heart health and things like that. And there's all these other initiatives out there and programs. Right. So how do we let women know this is what's out there and this is oh, what we want to do? It is a constant battle to try and get the information out. And that's one of the reasons I was so delighted when you did reach out. Um, I've done talks with early years programs to the young moms. I have different organizations who pre-pandemic would reach out and ask, hey, can you come and speak? Um, but certainly the pandemic is a barrier to that, right? Mm -hmm. As far as us being able to get this information out of what services are available yeah. in North Perth. Yeah. yeah. And, and we uh, the same, you know, and that's that where this podcast and everything came into play is yeah. we wanted to be able yeah. to say, you know, instead of me driving out to this town and talking to 20 customers a day, we can do this and reach so many more people with this information. It is fantastic. I love that you're doing this with everyone. It's uh, a great way to get the information out. It's true. And like, I like to say, I'd rather believe in equality over feminism, but let's be honest, we kick some serious butt as women. We do. And there's no denying that. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It, it's very true. We live in a very dominant world where women, you know, if you just open your eyes a little bit there we're everywhere we're in every industry we're working everywhere in every position and stuff like that so if we're getting the respect and demands there it's time to start having respect and demand for our physical bodies that's correct that's correct and that is certainly one of the things that i i talk to women about too is the exercises i give um certainly go beyond just the just the pelvic floor. We move into the the full body conditioning and stretches. And we, we do talk about relaxation. And one of the things I really stress to my patients, because 
if they're if they're busy new moms or if they're women in their in their 40s or 50s or even if they're women's women in their 70s we're all still very busy and so the last thing i want to do is make them feel guilty for not achieving the exercises i give them yes because i work with them to figure out how do you fit taking care of you into your life and we talk about the relaxation times and me times and so on because those things are important mm-hmm. and where can we fit the self-care for your pelvic floor and for you into your schedule and how much do you need to do to see change because it is so important we are we are busy people we are we really are we yeah. are now if somebody's having some discomfort, has maybe just some questions, they don't have a diagnosis, but they're thinking maybe it's it's time to take care of themselves in a better way. Right. Just reach out to you guys and give you a phone call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if anyone wants to contact me directly, I'm always willing to have a chat with them on the phone too. Um, they can see me without a medical referral. Some benefit plans, this is a private service, so it is fee-for-service. Mm-hmm. So some benefit plans will still need a referral for physiotherapy. Some will not. And what that means, if it does need a referral, you do need to see your doctor first. But you can see me directly, and certainly if I have any concerns, I am going to talk with your doctor about that. There's a really we're in a community where all the healthcare services interact so well. Um, we're really fortunate that way. There's a, a really great back and forth communication with everyone here in North Perth. It's That's amazing. A it's a wonderful community. It is. And I've only been here for just shy of three years, but I love right. it. It's an yeah. amazing place to live. And, and you're right. There's yeah. a great sense of community, of partnership, just because we have one chiropractor up at this end of town. And a physiotherapist over here doesn't mean they're not in communication. Oh, we do. We do definitely work together. That's absolutely true. Yeah. That's great. And the massage therapist as well. All all the different medical centers. It's kind of like you guys have your own little group chat of what's going on. And we work with Listowel Vision Care as well, because we do do some concussion rehab and we do some vestibular rehab. And so we do work with the Swole Vision Care back and forth that way too. So there's all these networks uh, mm-hmm. within the medical community yes. to take care of yeah. our community. So yeah. yeah. Because yeah. some people think just because this is the part of your body that's having the issues doesn't mean it can't connect to another part of your body or that's we might right. have to bring in some secondaries, ask for advice. That's right. I never knew that if something expands in your abdomen, it takes away from lung capacity. So you might think that's right. You have have asthma or you're having chest problems when it's really an abdominal issue. So that's right. You just go, there's little things you just learn every day. And I'm always teaching diaphragmatic breathing to my pelvic health patients too, because it's really essential as, as far as expanding the full lungs and relaxing the abdominal and pelvic floor muscles so yeah it's very important it is now june i can't thank you enough for coming on and talking about this topic with us it is such Mm -hmm. an important topic 
whether you're male, whether you're female, it's just good to know and have control of your body and say, Hey, something's not right. I want answers. Mm -hmm. And it's knowing who to go to. So we are so lucky to have women like you in North Perth that do the work that you do that push for the information to be out there the way you have. Is there anything else that you would like to add and say? I, I think that's about it. Um, just for women to understand that if they're having a concern, uh, that there, there are often ways that we can help. And even if they think that it's something that can't be helped, then certainly reach out. And I'm more than willing to say what we might be able to do but we also try and direct as well because mm-hmm. navigating the system is often a concern for people too. So uh, that would be, that would be my biggest thing is uh, for people to, if they have a concern to talk about it, to reach out to someone and see if we can help. Don't leave it on the back burner where it's right. filled That's and filled right. like a bag of popcorn until it's too late and it explodes. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, June, I can't thank you enough for joining me. I'm so excited. There's gonna be a lot more topics in the future that we can definitely have you back on to talk about. Looking forward to that. Can't wait to come by the clinic and see what you guys do. I've got one appointment left for my ankle sprain injury. So Uh, I'm firsthand know how great you guys and your staff are. So (laughs) thank you and a big shout out to all of your staff and especially Women's History Month. I know that you have a lot of powerful females working there, of course. That's right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, June, thank you so much and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy this weather. And ladies, it's time to start taking our health seriously. That's right. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, June. Thank you to Sarah. Thank you to all the amazing women uh, right here within Huron and Perth area that do everything that they do. Ladies, this has been an amazing episode talking about women's health. Whether you are on top of things, whether you maybe have some questions, it is time to stop taking no for an answer. It is time to stop taking, well, that's just the joys of being a woman of a woman because the truth is it's not. Men don't know what the pain is that we go through. Men don't understand the symptoms of everything that we go through. It's a little different. So there is nothing wrong with taking your health into your own hands and I encourage everyone to start making better life choices especially when it comes to our physical and mental health now what a great episode we've had here more women more amazing women in our community are going to be featured on the podcast again next week so join us back here next week on desks and dusters Be sure to catch Desks and Dusters on all your favorite podcast platforms like CastBox, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Join us for Desks and Dusters, through PPJ Cleaning Depot, every other week.